and welcome to episode 322 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett and Jack Harper. Plenty to get into this week. Man City dropped their annual three points away at Tottenham. Arsenal dropped their annual three points away at Goodison. And Liverpool dropped their weekly three points against whichever team they're scheduled to play. (laughs) Nathan Jones explained to us the perils of compromise. 300 million later and Chelsea have managed to draw with Fulham. And after all that, we'll look ahead to Super Bowl 57. First, though, how are we all doing today? Yeah, I think you've probably hinted at how we are. <laughs> well, Jack seemed a bit more chipper than I would expect. Um, I mean, I was chi- I'm mainly chipper because I didn't watch any of the game. I was I was sat talking to the bloke next to me for pretty much the whole first half and realised that oh shit, nothing's actually happened. That is the beauty of a Chelsea game. You can do that. Yeah, you can. You can take a book if you want to. It's a great place to read. <laughs> I say you a chipper, actually. I text you, Chelsea look lively 10 minutes in. And the next text I got back was, we were fucking shite <laughs> in caps lock. <laughs> like, you, you try and like enjoy the occasion of going. And then I turned to my mate as we walked out and stayed. I was like, did we really just watch that? And have, I, have we really been watching that for the last 18 months? of just dross. Like surely something has got to give. One day we're going to score a goal and I'm going to love it. (laughs) Well, maybe not too soon though, but uh, we will get into news of the week first. Uh, We've had a couple of weeks off news of the week. And so as you'd imagine, plenty to us to get stuck into. Assault charges filed for woman who beat another with a whole chicken. (laughs) Instagram model goes viral after revealing her 38J breast implant popped. Cool. That's always got to be a fear, surely. (laughs) How is that repaired? It's like a puncture repair kit you get with a car. You just put loads of gel in. (laughs) Woman mistakenly pronounced dead was found alive in body bag, report says. Jeez. I have so many questions about that one because that indicates that almost like they unzipped it and she just calmly told, no, I'm not dead. (laughs) Was she like nearly dead and they unzipped it and she was still kind of lifeless but had a pulse? (laughs) A lot of questions. American arrested in Moscow for taking cow for a walk. (laughs) That's not quite keeping a low profile. (laughs) My favourite headline of the week to kind of dig into, woman killed lookalike to fake her own death. That is brilliant. That's a film. She she sourced online. She went through like a rigorous process to find her doppelganger, met them and killed them. (laughs) Jesus. There can only be one. (laughs) McDonald begins testing strawless lids in select markets. I don't know how I feel about bit of an anticlimax yeah, yeah, after the previous one, isn't it? We're we're, we're expecting more doppelganger murders. And you've given us, well, you've given okay. us a murder, faking death, and now <laughs> yeah. strawless, strawless lids. Come on, man. How, Wisconsin's. That made it in? Where's, the, where's the vetting process well, on this? I take how do you all of not these. I on the headline on that one. Yeah. I also have a rule that I don't go back and remove any. So kind of once it's in, it's in. So the motto you live by. That's not because I'm lazy either. That is one motto that you live and die by. <laughs> Dangerous. Once it's in, it's in. We're back up to the pregnancy game again. 
Wisconsin Supreme Court candidate is trying to open a gun range that serves alcohol. Fuck <laughs> it. That's it. That's more like our remit. We're back in. <laughs> yeah. Back One in. you may have seen. Uh, shocking delivery man abandoned stuck sofa after failing to get it upstairs. Great stuff. Did you see the picture of yeah. this? Unreal. <laughs> a, a lot of, That's scary. A lot of it. Rattlesnake births two-headed baby, South African Park says. <laughs> what, baby snake or just a baby in general? Well, the second one I feel you'd have heard before uh, me reading it out on a Monday. Well, once it's in, Much it's like in. this one. It's an accident waiting to happen. Woman's misery as her overgrown bush continues to put lives at risk. <laughs> <laughs> they write themselves how is that not your favourite one that's, that's brilliant well the doppelganger one was <laughs> yeah. you know, that was something new and finally Alex wouldn't do the wetsuit challenge we'll see if maybe he'll take us up on this 15 students in Mexico are treated after taking part in internet tranquilizer challenge to see who can stay awake the longest oh god I'd love to trank AJ <laughs> it's so fun good heavens <laughs> once it's in I've it's got in. images of it being like the scene in uh, old school <laughs> where Will Ferrell gets pissed but... took one in the jugular falling face first into that pool but anyway the version of that challenge would be both the best and worst <laughs> part ever and that whilst it lasted it'd be good fun that it's just four people asleep <laughs> well we will move on and we will move on to Nathan Jones. Someone, I mean, we don't get into Southampton too often on the podcast. If we do, it's because they've beaten one of the bigger clubs. He said on Saturday, I've let everyone down because I was brought in to drive standards and that wasn't good enough today. I've allowed certain things to happen and gone away from what's made me successful in the past. I've listened to people and it's been to my detriment. I've compromised too much. What you've seen today, that's not the way my teams play. Now, he's he's betraying the angry little Welsh man just to a T. I'd not heard of Nathan Jones before. TK, you follow more lower league football. I don't know if you had before he was brought in by Southampton. Solely, um, ironically, that he had done terribly at Stoke after doing a good job at Luton, and he went back to Luton and does a good job again. So he's looking like a guy who can just do a good job in one club. Looks like. <laughs> Well, the first thing I was going to take down here, and I read your article, something that I'll put in the description of this episode. Good article you did on Liverpool and their misfortunes this weekend. If you're a depressed Liverpool fan close to the edge, maybe give it, I don't know, a few days before you read it. Might be a bit much (laughs) for you. You reference bad poker players uh, as part of that article. And Nathan Jones, (laughs) I mean, he might make me look like I could go to the World Series. I read a quote from one of the sources, one of the many news sources, and they say, Jones is a chronic fingernail biter, and during his time at Stoke City, things got so bad he would require plasters to stop them bleeding. He is not blessed with a poker face or an off button. And we just saw the complete blow-up of that this weekend. Owners, players, and fans, probably the three people you don't want to get on the wrong side of and he was just going shot for shot for shot in what was only an eight minute interview i mean if he had actually sat there and cut off his own legs would it have been (laughs) would that have been as dramatic as what he did well i read that before the interview even started 
he was walking in and just muttering expletives under his breath before he even sat at the table for the press conference. You got to think. So anytime there's been some amount of time since the final whistle as well for him to have called off at this point, and yet somehow it's like it's just happened. It does a really good impression of a Sunday League manager that punches himself in the face <laughs> whilst sat in a transit van after losing four 0 <laughs> I've got a number of these quotes. So uh, first of all, talking about the players um, and the you don't know what you're doing chants that came during his substitutions. He said, the fans saw a performance today that justifies those sayings and that's fine. All I can say to them is that I understand. To be fair, they've sung that at any point I've made a substitution since I came in. If we keep Lavia on a booking, they'll counter-attack inside so we were at risk. Was he, having, was he running the game? Was he out battling or dominating their team? If he was, they were clearly watching a different game to me. Not a good start. He's feeling great about himself. <laughs> <laughs> They're yet to score first in a Premier League game under Jones. Um, and so the fans are obviously getting on. They're criticising his tactics, just about everything. I mean, get out of our club and your football is shit is supposedly the number one and number two chants that have sounded since he came in. Catchy. He said, we've thought, right, what have we got? Because there are certain people in the village and players in the building that we have to work with. I haven't listened to outside noise. I haven't listened to anything. But now I'll live and die by my own philosophy. He said, I've compromised on certain principles because of personnel. But in the way that people want me to play and fans and so on, I've been very successful playing a fluid style. At Luton, we were a real aggressive front-footed side statistically there weren't many better than me around Europe in terms of aggression, clean sheets and defending in your box <laughs> and XG. <laughs> we were pound for pound the best because we were spending next to nothing and producing so much. I've gone away from that because it's the Premier League and due to certain players and internationals. This team is good enough to stay up, but the same things that have been happening for a year are still happening because for a year they've been losing games in the Premier League and conceding goals and not defending the box well enough and not scoring enough goals. We were brought in to do something different because on an absolute shoestring at loot and we were scoring goals, keeping clean sheets, out-pressing and out-fighting teams and doing the basics so well. That's why I was recruited and I'm not doing them at the minute, but that will change. He, One of the things that he's dug out for constantly is in his press conferences, he constantly says they yeah, and them when talking about Southampton. Mm. He's dug Harsen Hootel out a few times, which feels harsh. He was asked whether he's going to get time and he said, I don't know. That's not a question for me, but I hope so. I look at that team and I don't see myself in that team and that's my biggest thing, but that's going to change. What I'd love to do is, you know, they have those bottles of water on the table when they do their presses. Just spike it with vodka and just see what happens. <laughs> see what, just see where he goes with it. Because <laughs> this guy would be box office. A few pints in and him doing a presser would just be unreal. You've now wanted to spike someone... <laughs> And tranquilize someone in the space of about 10 Look, minutes. It's not recorded or anything, so this yeah. can't come back to bite him. Yeah, the, the motto of this party is once it's in, it's in. <laughs> living and dying by the sword. He he complained in local media that he couldn't use the World Cup break properly because he had players away from the squad. They had two players away, which was less than any other side in the league. <laughs> well, it's the same yeah. as when he says, like, you know, certain players won't shift. Or Who are these massive egos at Southampton that he's not able to overcome? <laughs> he complained that the players aren't tall enough previously. <laughs> so when you look at their business in the transfer market and they've brought in that bloke, it was it Oyanachi or something, the one who's got like the worst hat trick ever recorded? Yeah. That was clearly when he's loading up football manager, he was just searching like over six four. 
and everything else was just background noise. I also love his sort of premise that, oh, look, if I had my way, we'd be playing like Pete Barcelona. It's just that these lads don't want to. <laughs> like he's looking like a team with Che Adams up soft. We can go, you know what? If you just change your ways, we'll be playing free-flowing stuff. I won't tolerate this Shea Adams disrespect because as I've said before, there's a player in there. <laughs> I mean, Much like Aaron Connolly. <laughs> yeah, that one aged well. It For me, it's like the biggest case of imposter syndrome I've ever seen in the Premier League. The most transparent This is a blow. Well. Yeah, it's so bad. And football fans as a collective and as a manager it's like a supply teacher. You can't even just show the slightest bit of weakness because that class is just going to run all over you. If so, you will never get them back. And in this case, that's clearly what's happened here. Where things are actually past the point of people saying, well, look, Arsenal stuck with Arteta and look where they are now because every other manager, I mean, Frank had that at Everton. So for people to think that he's clearly beyond that, I hope Southampton get Frank in because that would be incredible. <laughs> but I don't see Nathan Jones being able to do much here. It's just a case of how long he lasts, now, isn't it? That was because that was literally self-immolation. I can't, I can't work it like you said because normally you can take a shot at one of the owners, the fans, or the players. Don't go for all three at the same time. And he's, yeah, it's just a case of how long they persist with him. Well, it was a headline on The Athletic today that he was taking training this morning. <laughs> because you can do any one of those, can't you? You can say you're, say you're at Everton and you're the manager and you get at the fans. The board are going to say, look, you're our guy. Yeah. If you're Klopp and you go at the owners, then the fans are going to get, this is brilliant. And you can transform that to Spurs are probably a better example. If you go at the players and you're Ralph Rangnick, then this is the best thing ever because he can clearly see what we're seeing. <laughs> you can't alienate all three at once. It seems like he's wanted to press the self-destruct button so he can get sacked, get his payout <laughs> and have the excuse when Southampton eventually get relegated that, see, if they give me longer, that wouldn't have happened, that re- relegation isn't on me. And that it seems like he's just tried to go nuclear. I think he might have succeeded. I don't know. <laughs> I uh, I said on air before, I quite like watching uh, Hell's Kitchen on my lunch breaks. And uh, when they get to the eliminations, they always say, look, chef, chef, you can't get rid of me because I've not been able to be myself in here. I'm telling you now, I'm, I'm going to show the real you next. I'm going to show the real me next service. I'm going to I'm going to stop listening to what other people say. And I mean, this is just the equivalent here. This is just the last roll of the dice. You can't sack me because all those things you're going to sack me for, I'm not going to do that anymore. This is the change my mind. Next week, make me PM, and I promise you, I will deliver. <laughs> I promise you. And yeah, I mean, I don't know who they've got this weekend. You'd think though, if they were going to sack him, they'd have got rid of him already this morning. Or it'd be very Southampton actually to wait till like Thursday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agrees. But like Jesse Marsh, Leeds made the decision last night, this afternoon. Yeah, you're gone. Southampton are in a worse position unless they're at the point where they think that look there's no one obvious out there that's going to turn this around yeah I mean do they think he'll get them back up if they do go down or not I'm not entirely well, sure about that we've questioned internally haven't we and I've mentioned Arteta previously but I'd always come on here when 
I said that he should be sacked. And I'd say, but you look at the players and they clearly still back him. Mm. You listen to the way they talk about him and everything. I've seen no evidence of these Southampton players that they feel that way. I saw the post-game stuff like on the pitch where he's going up and he's tapping players on the back. And I mean, they're not shoving him off. They're never going to do that, but they're certainly not embracing him and saying, come on, we can do this next game. We'll turn this around. Brentford's a tough one. The thing is as well, with Southampton, you don't see them as the kind of staunch relegation fighters. You do kind of see them as lightweight. And especially when you've got someone like that digging you out, you're not going to want to be in the trenches with him. They're all going to be trying to be angling for moves out of there if they get relegated. Yeah. He's, not, he's not creating that mentality of being able to go down and come back up again. It's not us like, against the it, world. It's me against you and, yeah. and the fans and the owner. I see you make that they've got They've got Wolves at home this weekend. That's big. That's a tough game. Really tough game, that. <laughs> the, that was a way for you. So you got that excuse. This is Southampton at home. Yeah, that, I can't imagine the atmosphere is going to be fantastic, you know. No, so that's why you get someone new in for this one. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. You've you got to be careful where you use your new manager. You don't use your new manager bounce against Man City. Don't waste it. You save it a week. Yeah. We tried using ours, I think, uh, away at Bournemouth. <laughs> you don't use it away at Bournemouth. That's a tough place to go. <laughs> Home, you get that in. I mean, I I don't know whether he'd have taken the job. I think he would have if he didn't get wind of the fact that Everton were in for him. But at the time when they appointed uh Jones, why they didn't go for Sean Dyche just seems mental. Yeah. Well, a lot of clubs think they're above that, don't they? Southampton. I thought they would be one that wouldn't. Like Everton have only ended up going with him now because they are really desperate. I think they did for the longest time thought they were above Dyche. I, I can't believe Southampton thought they were above him. Well, well, they they tried to do things differently, didn't they? Was they brought in all of these young players? They brought in Joe Shields, who I think Chelsea pinched within two months. Um, <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> uh, and they tried to do things differently. They thought they were going to play football and start of the season. I think they did try to do that within two weeks of uh, making his debut. Chelsea had a fifty million pound bid rejected for Lavia, something which, amongst all the other transfer market madness in the summer we kind of just glossed over because of what what everything else Chelsea was <laughs> yeah, doing fucking hell, Jesus. so they were they were trying to do things and I think they were trying to go the idea that we're going to get a younger fresher manager in we're going to do things the right way and some teams don't want to be that one we're going into every season and we're just going to try and stay up and Deitch I can tell you for sure offers a bit more than we're just hoofing it forward but some teams don't want to hedge their future on him. And I think that's maybe what Southampton are trying to avoid. And then if we have to turn to him later in the season, hopefully no one else has got him. Yeah, it just seems bold. I mean, presumably the the thinking with getting rid of or was that, oh shit, we might go down here. So get someone like Dijkstra to preserve you, if nothing else. If they can just wait a week, they got Chelsea the week after. So if they use up their new manager bounce there, suits all parties. They, they, I reckon Nathan Jones would still be us. So imagine if Chelsea are his turning point. It all comes back together for Nathan <laughs> Jones. Well, that's what we thought. Uh, Rafa was going to be against us, and it turns out he was still just shit, and uh, <laughs> it didn't matter. Just made that win even more inexplicable. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see what he can do. And that that Southampton squad. I mean, it's it's at least as good as Leeds. I'm trying to look at the Wolves, probably have a better squad. Everton, form of it's it's rough. You need to act early here, and uh, there's just a lack of goals in that Southampton team, isn't there? You just think if you don't get 
the team playing for you, then you've got absolutely no chance because you have. It's not like you've just got goals and creativity that can get you out of trouble. You're gonna have to be organised and united, and <laughs> you've divided the entire dressing room now. Are they going to be a bit spooked in who they bring in next because they're going to think that they've tried to think outside the box, and if internally they think that he was never respected from the start, it may put them off going for like a championship manager. Yeah, yeah. What the? Do they go the opposite way and do actually go for like Allardyce or something? So like, fancy one last roll of the dice, big man. Well, yeah. My first thing for Leeds was get Hart on who. I'm not sure Southampton can do the same. <laughs> get Jesse Marshall. Hey. Just swap. <laughs> Marsh was one where I didn't really acknowledge how bad things were. One until I looked at the league table, and two I watched them yesterday. When I watched them yesterday, I thought you're actually a lot worse than I. No, thought you yeah, were. I've been um, been seeing a lot with Leeds fans online as well for the last month to two months, where they're saying, "Look, this is dire. We're only going in one direction." And no one seems to really be commenting on it. Said so normally when we get touched, <laughs> touched upon on on these programs, whatever, there's a lot of all oh, they were unlucky here and they were unlucky there. It's like, there has been some bad luck, but there has also been a lot of dire performances. Well, there was the game they had against Villa that was a, a Friday night football, I believe, mm. where they lost the game, but they did actually look really good. Yeah, and I remember Marsh coming out afterwards saying, "Look, I'm not as upset as I should be because I think that's the best we've played all season." And sometimes you can say that with a pinch of salt, but they did actually look really good. And then a week after, I think, they drew 2-2 with someone they shouldn't have. And then it's just been getting worse and worse. And sometimes you see one of these teams against your own side and you hold that up to a level where Leeds, I don't think we're ever going to have have a struggle against Arsenal, United, Chelsea, City. They always played a certain way and it worked because they just go and stick it to us. Jack can attest more than most. Actually, TK can as well. <laughs> um, and so the performance they had against us was really good. And I've been holding that up to like, okay, that's obviously what they can do. But if they're not doing that against your Southamptons and so on, then yeah, they're, they're after West Brom's manager, aren't they? Are they? Yeah, that's okay. that's who uh, originally Bielsa was the bookie's favourite. <laughs> Since then, supposedly top of their list is Carlos Corboran. Okay. Be interesting to... I guess West Brom aren't high enough up where sometimes you get it where like the bottom team in the league tries to pinch the top the top striker in the championship and it's like, I'm not, I'll buy my time for six months, I think. I'm not going back down with you. I believe Everton tried it with Tony at the time. Yeah, a few uh, a few more months. Someone's going to do that with uh, Michael Carrick. I think someone's going to try and nick him off Borough. Yeah, yeah. And how much of that is owed to uh, Arsenal legend Chuba Akpom? <laughs> yep. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much entirely, I think we can all agree. Oh, look at those scoring stats. Has all stock just fallen through the floor now for Chris Wilder, by the way? Yeah, I mean that that stock has plummeted, and I'm just someone who did invest in that stock as yeah, well. So that's what I mean. look, it's, I'm feeling the pinch at the minute. Maybe Southampton thinking a couple more weeks we can pick up Graham Potter. Yeah, yeah, true. Too soon, maybe. All driving there myself. <laughs> <laughs> See, Jack was positive about uh, Graham Potter <laughs> five days ago. <laughs> was I? <laughs> Well, we were giving him time five days ago because he had this big turnaround. I think. I don't. I think I've been pretty consistent yeah. in my messaging. Yeah, I was going to say. I think just slightly less negative. Potter doesn't equal positive. Yeah, yeah 
two wins in 12 is not <laughs> at spending 600 million isn't when you say it like that is not oh. it's, and those wins I'm still above Liverpool the, the, those wins as well came against Bournemouth and Crystal Palace <laughs> yeah when However, Chelsea we have the second most clean sheets in the league so boring boring Chelsea is that like tied with about six teams or what no we're just behind you Kepa has the highest clean sheet ratio of any Chelsea goalkeeper, more than Thibaut Courtois now. By contrast, if anything's got in your favour, Wolves added an extra twenty five percent of their goals scored to their season against us. (laughs) And um, isn't Wout Face still your highest scorer of the year? (laughs) Yeah, he is. I mean, we're going to get on to Liverpool. I saw that Liverpool haven't won a game in twenty twenty three yet. A rough start, right? (laughs) <laughs> when you see it like that yeah yeah because that one's a lot more real than the before the World Cup stats or um, the before like September uh, November when stats when they get like, or since November it's like hang on he hasn't played since then what's going on yeah yeah. It's a this lot more one real. the Liverpool start of the year was like <laughs> on to Man City then if we start with the obvious Erling Haaland is about as pure of a striker as we've seen in the Man City side in quite some time as far as he's concerned, things couldn't be like going better for his debut season. As you've heard plenty of times, 25 goals in 20 Premier League games, four hat-tricks so far. But City seem to... I mean, they're looking worse. First, can, can we just mention, could you imagine your bogey ground being White Hart Lane? That's just so funny. I can't get my head around. It's like the opposite problem for Chelsea. Well, it doesn't matter what the yeah. context, they'll smash up Spurs. But the yeah. rest of the time, that didn't even happen this season. Yeah, pot of my Tesla. That hair pulling. No, yeah, I did, to, after yeah, Jack said that, I did see someone, uh, one of those awful Spurs accounts, saying like, "Today's reminded me that we are the bollocks." It's like someone said, "Congratulations, you're a bogey team." <laughs> what do you want? The, the, the thing is with that as well is that. Conte is just sets up perfectly to nullify exactly what makes Man City good. Now they they soak up that pressure. We saw it when he played there with Chelsea when we beat him three one, where they should have beaten us by way more goals, but we just soaked them up and wound them up. And you can wind up this City team and Pep Guardiola to do silly things, and he pepped himself again. I know glory the, days, eh, Jack? There's yeah, I, I've got to think back with fond memories. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Conte just sets up perfectly to nullify everything that Pep's teams do, and you've got to take your hat off to him for that, or take your wig off, whichever. The the point I'm ultimately raising here is, how is the guy that scored 25 in 20 being pinpointed as the main man to blame yeah. in all of Man City's struggles? Is that yeah. accurate? Is that fair? What yeah. do we think? Um, absolutely not fair at all, because it like. It's not his fault that he was bought for stupid money. Uh, not Maybe not stupid money, but stupid wages. It's not his fault that he's come in and absolutely broken most records from any debut season, and he's still, what, 22, is he? 20, something like that. That's not his fault at all. They're just not playing to his strengths, and we've been so used to seeing this free-flowing, false nine, inverted winger system, that now when they have to play conventionally, if you wrap up Haaland, you wrap up the whole team because they've just, they don't have the same fluidity as they did before. That's you're always so certain with Man City that they were always going to score because some little bitch would pop up in the in like an inverted position and whip it into the far corner. 
And they don't have a little bitch anymore. They have one big bloke. Is that the official tactical term? Little bitches. Yeah. A Bernardo like, Silva. Like, like a Bernardo Silva. Literally, literally a Bernardo Silva type little one. That makes a lot of sense bit. now. Well, yeah, exactly. I put a face in yeah. the turf. Um, but yeah, now if you wrap up Ireland, everyone else is so out of form and not used to playing this fluid system. You seem to have them pinned. CK, is it as simple as at the other end of the pitch, they're conceding 40% more goals than they were last season? Yeah, I mean, I thought certainly this performance as well. If you looked at them, I thought they just looked as ragged as we've seen them. For Spurs on the counter, it looked the most... I thought they looked like they should have had more goals in them, to be honest. I thought there were a lot of opportunities opened up. And if they were a bit more clinical, um, a bit more creative than that, I think they would have done. The, they also looked, and this is coming from a team who look about 50 years old, generally in games, but I thought they looked leggy as well. I thought they looked lethargic. I thought even when De Bruyne came on, he looked drunk. His, his touch was horrible. And so everyone you're kind of looking at, I thought everyone outside of like Grealish, who I thought was really good, I know he copped a lot of flack for the amount of times he got fouled, but I thought most of the time he was actually being yeah. fouled. Um, I thought on the whole, everybody just looked so off the pace. Um, so it wasn't just that uh, the Harlan situation is causing the problems. I think there's something to be said for that. And they do look like they're lacking that intensity. Even when Spurs were 1-0 up and you'd be used to seeing cities going, right, they're going to go for them now. There didn't really seem to be that much conviction, that much intensity or really desire to want to go and smash them. Well, as you said about them being ragged, so across all of last season, there was two games where they had they had fast breaks on them more than three times in a game. Hmm. They've had five games this season where they've had five or more. Yeah, fucking hell. They're, traditionally, they're a team that are set up to avoid the transition, which ironically is actually the point of the game that Haaland is best at when he can break onto a team. Yeah. They want to camp in your half entirely and then break you down that way. And we spoke on it earlier in the season that for the last three years, Man City have played through you. And to try and facilitate Haaland, they now had started to try and play around you, which is why we thought that Grealish was going to have the season of seasons for him. Now they're kind of just stuck in the middle. Cancelo we'll speak about in a minute. Rico Lewis has come in, gets all the props initially. And what happens when you're a young player is you get about three games good grace where essentially you don't have the, if you don't have the worst game, we're going to say you've had a good game. Yeah. And I think Jack saw it with um, Lewis Hall, who some of the noises come down on a bit now. And Lewis, the last two games against Arsenal in the FA Cup and against Tottenham now, has looked like an 18-year-old coming in trying to play the toughest tactical system in maybe European football. Yeah, I thought he needed saving in this game, to be honest. There's a point in the second half I thought should help him out here, get him out. Well, is, is, is not something that he shouldn't be touching the ball this much. I understand what Pep wants is you're going to kind of blood in this way, but there's ways to do it. Rodri can tuck alongside him a bit more and essentially the example I always use, Coquelin to Cazorla, you have the ball, not me. Lewis could do that a bit more. He can give that to Rodri and Rodri is going to be the guy to progress it because you you maintain your position while we're doing this. Coming in this system and playing as what? Not even just an inverted fullback stepping into midfield. He was doing that on the opposite side. Yeah. 
in this game, I mean, I understand if they say if Cancelo wants to leave, you let him leave. But if this was a if this was a lesser manager, if this was Arteta, if this was Graham Potter, we're going to be hearing about man management and like so you got to keep some of these players happy, as we heard with Aubameyang. Ultimately, it seems the thing with Cancelo was he just wanted to play. It's also the same guy who won't give Foden the responsibility of playing in the middle, by the way. But he's going to throw Rico yeah. Lewis in there. So that's either telling you something about what he thinks of Phil Foden as a personality, or, again, as maybe Jack's touched on there, Pep, sort of out-pepping himself. You talk about keeping players happy. I think you've got a situation where I wouldn't be surprised if Bernardo Silva wants to leave. It seems like he's had sort of an eye on the door for a little while. Three seasons in a row. And it seems like he's pissed off Gundogan and De Bruyne in the meantime. Yeah. Obviously, you've had the Cancelo situation as well where he's bombed him out. And who knows? I don't know how popular he was in the dressing room or whatever. But it does seem to be just a different sort of feel about the place. Well, he was very keen to let you know yesterday that De Bruyne has been dropped for tactical reasons. There is no knock here. This is absolutely my choice. And this is the reason he's on the bench. The fact you had De Bruyne out there, I mean, holding bibs and holding the ball for people to do shooting drills before the game. There's something odd, isn't there? Yeah, something really odd. And then, as we said about uh, when Rashford was disciplined earlier in the season, if that is the case, it doesn't quite hit the same when you then have to reach for them because you're losing the game. I also think there's a time and a place and a game to lay down a marker to a player and send out a message. I'm not sure with your record against Spurs that it's that game. Maybe push it along to the next one and I'll drop you and send a message to you. I I don't doubt that Pep still believes he can win the league, regardless of what he says. Yeah. But I said when we were playing City in the FA Cup and before we did it, I said I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we rotated some players because then at the end of the day, it's, well, that's why we lost. Like We changed things up. We just sent a bit different. Do you think there's something with that with him? Like He needs the excuse in his head. John Jones would always say, go out and drink before a fight because if he lost. Yeah, yeah. I didn't lose because of my skill. I lost because I was drinking before. Is there any of that in it? Or is it just things have got too easy for him? I've got to say, on the one hand, people say that City were constantly being driven to be their best, to be their best, to be their best. When you still keep winning and you've got this behind you, could that not have the opposite effect? It actually, maybe a bit of easiness creeps into your game because if we were able to beat that, that's not sustainable from their position. We can maybe do a bit less and we'll still win. The only thing I can think of and attribute it to is the Tiger Woods scenario where he would deliberately change his swing to improve. Like He'd know that he wasn't going to win the next two tournaments, but he would win the next six because of it. Maybe they're just winding up some sort of Harland mega structure that's <laughs> just going to dominate for the next 10 years. I'm hoping it's not. I'm hoping that Pep's just got even bolder all of a sudden. But yeah, as the season's gone on, Guardiola has expend, has experimented more and more. Um, he still can't control the game without his false nine. And so he started leaning on Grealish, who kind of slows things down on, on the wing. He's less of a winger-winger, which is something we spoke about when they signed him. But at the back, it seems like some fairly simple changes can make a big difference. Um, Ake squeezed out Cancelo, and that's where things started to go wrong. But he had Diaz, he had Diaz and Laporte on the bench yesterday. And I can tell you with 99% uh, surety now, when we play them in nine days' time, 
That back line is going to be Ake, Diaz, Laporte, and Walker. Mm-hmm. So why isn't he doing that here? Like, it suited me. But why, why isn't he doing that here? It makes no sense. Yeah, I do think the situation with the fullbacks is something that hasn't been talked about probably enough with City as well. You talk about them attacking-wise having problems adjusting to Haaland. Well, they've also got that situation whereby you would have had the fullbacks bombing on and now you've got a variety of players there who you've had. Obviously, Cancelo's been in and out and now gone. Carl Walker has had some issues. The left-back has been an issue. They basically haven't resolved via getting rid of Zinchenko and then not getting Cucurella. They've kind of just had whoever they can put there. And that was a big part of their game. There's a reason, you know, that one summer he spends £200 billion on fullbacks was to get that right. Yeah. And it's kind of been decimated now. And it's something we haven't really spoken about because we've been focused on the big man up front. If, if you go back, uh, I do believe him when he says he'd still sell Jesus and he'd still sell Sterling. I don't believe he sells Zinchenko again. Well, certainly not without getting someone in either. It's... Even then, I don't know if anyone in the world can do that role better He's than him. perfectly suited, isn't it? And the weird thing is they probably would have solved each other's problem because he would have played in more. Zinchenko would have been getting that game time that he yeah. wanted and, and you wouldn't have had a lot of the issues you've got. And he probably would have helped, gone some ways to retaining some of the controlling matches that Pep desperately wants but doesn't have this year. Well, it's as much the willingness to want to do that role, I think, because most people that have the ability to play that role would say, well, no, I'd rather play further forward in midfield. Mm. And then if you are playing in that, to have the uh, discipline in that position, to not go further forward than you should, to to know what you're doing. And I say discipline, this is a guy who, I think three games ago, on a heat map, his most common position was in right midfield. But clearly, he's been instructed to do that. And I think Pep maybe misses a few of those. Ake is a far better defender than I actually thought he was. And I remember coming on here and we were questioning why Chelsea were bidding 50 million for him that summer. Mm. It was last summer, wasn't it? It was last summer they were going for him. They've had various instances, haven't they? Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was last summer and then they sold... No, I think it was when it was between us in City to get him from Bournemouth. I think that's when we last went in for him. No, you tried buying him off City, 100%, oh, really? because they'd sold three players already that summer and ultimately they couldn't get anyone in to replace him. It was it was last summer because they didn't get Cucurella so they kept Ake because they needed mm. someone they could play left back. So Ake is a far better defender than I thought he was but he's not a bombing up and down fullback. He very much feels like a centre-back playing a fullback yes. and we can see that when it comes to uh, the dominating of the game. Um, yeah, Haaland's done what he has to do. I don't think any of this blame is on him. Now, I would push back there. But is he. Only because I thought there was quite a weird. And I wonder at one point when the gun will turn on him. Only because the narrative, certainly on the game on the weekend, was Neville and Carragher going absolutely spare because they weren't playing to his strengths. And there is something to that. The amount of times he'd go to make a run, wouldn't get picked out, whatever. I can see it. But one, they kept going, oh, look, he looks kind of a bit sulky. But they kept blaming the team for not playing to him. Like, well, one, if he's your main guy, he can't be sort of sulking. Just visibly, it doesn't look good. We've seen plenty of players slagged for doing that, right? Yeah. And two, there are a few instances where, and not too many of us see, but you get a ball into the channel or a ball up top, and he didn't win any of them. There was no 50-50s going there where he has to go shoulder to shoulder with the defender or win a header. And he just didn't look up for it. And if you're a guy of that size who's leading the line, your team's under the cosh a little bit. There's going to be very rare instances in which you're going to go, right, you make it stick for City. But there are a few. 
and he didn't look up for it at all. And at some point, I do think you've got to look at him and go, you're our guy, you get us out of trouble. Don't go stat padding when we're three or four nil up myself. That's the only thing I think he's being spared. Didn't have any a single shot yesterday. And I think he deserves at least some of it. I think it's more on the team to adjust to him. But I think there's some still blame to go around to him. When I say none for him, yesterday in isolation, I can quite clearly see it. In the, for the wider point, I do think, and it's another re- repeated analogy, but it works again. Um, I would say I, I couldn't criticize Cockerland because he was doing what he can do. Mm. And he can't control a game in a false nine like Foden or Silva, whoever. And so that's why I think that he's clearly doing his job when he has 25 and 20. We've never seen anyone else score like this. And you can go down the list of players that we've seen in this league. And so some of it, that, that, that has to be kind of, if he's doing his job there, you sign him to do a job. I don't know why you're asking him to do anything else in particular, because Haaland isn't Haaland if you do just manage to mould him into one of these robots. Yeah. I did think, though, he should have been getting at Romero more yesterday. Romero... Mm. I I could not believe what I was seeing yesterday. I could not believe what I was hearing <laughs> yesterday. I I don't understand. It's like something was just placed in everyone's brain other than mine <laughs> two seasons ago where we were just told that Romero was one of the best centre-backs in the league. <laughs> I've not seen it since he signed. I don't... Yesterday, he was being praised when Carragher quite literally said He's on a booking and he's got a bit of that Carvalho about him. He reminds me of Carvalho in that he could have just been sent off like three, uh, two, three times in this game now and he's managed to escape it. That's not a good defender if you're on a booking and we're debating whether you should have been sent off not once but three times since then. And, and it's constant. The issue for him is that he's got away with it too many times now that he thinks he can do more. If every player was judged on even playing field, he'd be sent off every single game. Carvalho was actually good at getting away with things as well, whereas Romero just makes things blatant. And obviously at the weekend, he did massively. I I thought someone like Carragher would go in on him for that first... That, that, that first, first was yeah, mental. What the hell are you doing? There's no danger. He's going nowhere. And you dive in like that. It was I couldn't explain it at all. And I thought, look, they get the win, so it doesn't matter. But I thought it was a, a He's now- ridiculous record to get. He's now missing the next game, isn't he? I know Grealish so, was going past him for the second one, but he also had someone next to him. He had Real next to him. He had another man behind him. So it wasn't a, a make-or-break situation where you had to take one for the team, I don't think, on that occasion. No. Because, uh, I think he's better than you do, but I also don't think he's one of the best centre-backs in the league, as has been said. Next time there's an international break, I think what we're going to do is, Mind you, I, I might have had your is one of the better ones, so maybe I've got to <laughs> revise my judgment. We'll get someone else on here with us, so there's a four, and we'll each submit our top 10 centre-backs in the league. We'll take the average positions, and then we'll just debate this for the episode, because if Romero's over five, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be now. like when we used to do change my mind and we'll be here for five hours <laughs> until someone agrees with me that he's not. Because <laughs> I cannot believe can't believe what I'm seeing. That, that Carragher one tipped me over the edge. I, I was at a point, I wanted City to score because I thought he can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, both happened. He didn't get away with it and City didn't win. But yeah, I 
horrible. Like you say, the Carvalho one, if you do constantly get away with it, fair. But if we're debating three times and you could have been sent off since a booking, then that's bad refereeing more than it is you getting away with it. And the referee yesterday is now on a weekly basis where you can watch any TV game and say that the referee lost control of it. He was just guessing yesterday. He had no idea on half the ones he was given. Not a clue. Well, no, because I had a text about 10 minutes into the game from someone saying, is this ref from Manchester? He's shown who he's favouring here. And then I watched the next 10 minutes and I thought, it's probably been a bit harsh on Man City here, this ref. And it looked like it wasn't the case of him even favouring one team. The bloke was just on another planet. Yeah, yeah, total guesswork. And we saw that this is one of the biggest games of the season because of the record that Spurs have at Man City. But you looked at the stage of where we were in the season and where the two teams were. And in Arsenal-Newcastle, and the ref lost the game inside 10 minutes. And it's just horrible that this can happen the whole way down. I've just seen that Anthony Taylor's got the Arsenal-Chelsea game. So <laughs> if I'm there with Jack, Jack might just be booing the ref when he gets close to the Oh, goal. my God. <laughs> How do they keep letting this guy referee our games? I just can't no, it's not. It's, it's Arsenal-City. It's Arsenal <laughs> oh, right. Oh, yeah, of course. Thank God. Um. Yeah. Right, that's that's a win for you then. Well, this is I saw an Arsenal fan and I replied to it on Twitter with, with someone saying this guy hates Arsenal so much and I said search his name with Chelsea fans and they'll tell you the opposite. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> these guys are just idiots. You you owe at least two FA Cups to him. We won't do that again today. We won't do that again today. Um Emerson, by the way, yesterday, what the hell has happened there? I don't want to talk about that man, honestly. it's The guy had maybe the best player on the pitch for City up against him. And he was he was bossing it. He deserved man of the match over Hoiberg. Mm. Yeah, I, I thought he did all right with Grealish, but I still thought Grealish had his way at times. As much as people were praising him, I do just think our standards are so low for <laughs> that anything is seen as, as good. Look, he had that dog in him, I will say. He was up for the battle. It's probably the best I've seen him play other than the Liverpool game. Well, he was very good. <laughs> no bitterness there. I thought that I thought the praise for Hoiberg was a bit much. And I'm a Hoiberg might. hater. But I don't I don't know. It's, that game's perfect for him though. Absolutely perfect. It is. I just yeah, I d I don't see it. And what he did um, for that goal was he's made the goal, hasn't he? By reading the situation, yeah, breaking it that yeah. quickly, and it was a nice little pass. So he's made the change changing contribution I guess as a genuine question before we move on um, what can we actually do about people faking head injuries because it's a constant thing and the commentators keep laughing about it mm. and they're not going to laugh about it when the referee plays on because the six people before have faked a head injury the Everton players were doing it against us the Newcastle players were doing it against us the Spurs players were doing it here it, until they realise that it's not a funny thing, and I know we, everyone loves to tweet shit out and all of this, it's going to get someone hurt because they're just going to stop doing it. They're going to say, oh, it's in the referee's hands now to choose whether he wants to play on or not, and then we've defeated the whole point of stopping for a head injury. Yeah, we'll be the, the boy who cried concussion, won't we? Um, yeah, it's, it's mental. Yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, I, I really don't know because... I guess you could you can go down with a head injury that is legit 
but isn't concussion. So you couldn't go, well, ban this player because actually he didn't have a concussion. So, I, yeah, I, d- I don't really know how you stop it. Other than, the other thing is, obviously, you add on quite literally every bit of stoppage time, but that doesn't, it doesn't equate, does it? Because you're still breaking up the game and slowing it down. Well, they're using it to stop fast breaks is the yeah, thing that we've exactly. seen three times this weekend. Changes the whole pace of the thing as well, doesn't it? So, If it's a fast break, then just get a physio on. Just let a physio run on and then see how quickly the player gets up. Yeah. Do a rugby start. Just let them have the treatment whilst we play around. Ridiculous. Um, Arsenal then. So Arsenal drop points at the hands of Everton. Uh, The question here, I guess, is whether this is an anomaly or a sign of things to come. Uh, Never got going in this game. James Tarkowski scores from a set piece. So the most Sean Dyche win ever. Don't know about you. Sean Dyche loving was a bit much for me, both pre and post game. Not to your taste, no. That's no. Odd. Um, I mean, over the past fortnight, pundits have been queuing up to tell you that Arsenal have won this league already, and then they lost a the game here, and you would think they've lost the league here. <laughs> and we've seen this punditry from what about six games into the season, where it's like, can Arsenal win the league? then it's now Arsenal have won the league and now with every loss, it's, you know, they bottled it last season and so they're definitely bottling it again here with 20 games to go. I thought the big difference here was Zinchenko. Um, when we play teams that are trying to go, not even toe-to-toe with us, but they're trying to play a certain way, he has the ability to drift into midfield and he's kind of our cheat code. Deitch packing that midfield out and he had three bodies on him essentially anytime he tried to progress the ball. And we just never got the ball moving forward. And as is often the case in games like this, it's not one player having a bad game. There wasn't one player I could point at and say they had a good game. And I don't know if any of you picked anything out to say, look, I've seen something here that is going to now affect Arsenal for the rest of the season. Or if, I mean, teams just have these games. City lost to Palace in previous year and they drew down to Palace, whatever. Is this just one? Arsenal always lose here. They've lost here again. Back on it next week. I would put it down to that only because I haven't seen a performance like this from Arsenal this year, I don't think. I don't think this season I've seen a performance like it where you just never got going. Uh, The intensity wasn't there pretty early on. And it was a perfect storm because unfortunately for you, it was for Everton. Deitch had them on it. Yeah. playing to their strengths, obviously trying to be a bit more physical. There were a few set pieces where they looked a real threat and obviously they eventually did, yeah. they score. So um, it wasn't just obviously that Evan get the win. They actually had quite a few chances in that first half, which when was the last time you saw Evan create particularly any, any chances? Yeah. So um, yeah, it's probably the perfect storm for you. Them, bad luck that you ran into them in his first game. But also I, I didn't think any of your players was just at it really. No, we spoke before um, Arsenal played Man United and we spoke about Arsenal playing the occasion. Do you think this in this time they actually were guilty of uh, playing the occasion rather than the opponent? Because I don't know how much that played into it. Mm, yeah, I'd, maybe because it, or it could be the opposite. Or did they just think we'll beat Everton, we'll do what we normally do um, and some complacency slipped in? It'd be easy to do because you're on a roll and they've been god awful uh, 
Yeah, because at least in the in the United game, you ended up showing us something. You thought, right, they're coming back into this, and there's some bad luck, obviously, that that went against you in that one. Whereas this was just, yeah, from the jump, it just didn't. They didn't quite look the same. But I would back that Arsenal will get back to as they were because I haven't seen them do that this year. Whereas, for example, as much as it was an extreme, the City performance against Spurs was not uncommon with a lot of what we've seen from them this year. No, we got Brentford at home next before we've got City at home. Goodison Park is just a vile place to go. Um, I said all week we needed to score in the first 15 and have that fan base turning against the players on the yeah, pitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they had a couple of corners on about 12 minutes and from there, the the, the crowd just carried them. Our touch has lost every single visit he's had here as manager. And Arteta said he thought that we didn't show enough emotional composure. He spoke about the last 10 to 15 minutes where we gave away a lot of free kicks. We made a lot of rash decisions. I thought the substitutions were a mistake. It felt like uh, wanting to just use your shiny new toys, really. There was no real need. We just kind of started to get a foothold in the game. We just started getting behind. And then he took off Party and Martinelli for Jorginho and Trossard and it never really worked. No, they felt like subs for the sake of subs. Give me your uh, assessment on Jorginho. He's been waiting. What For Jorginho, I saw some fans were on him and there was one pass right at the end of the game in which he was the unfortunate culprit of being the one that kind of broke up the last possible chance of attack. I, I do like the narrative of unfortunate culprit. You wait till he does that every game. Well, I mean, sorry. hopefully in most games we aren't coming from behind trying to nick a point. But I know I thought, even when I watched back kind of every touch he had of the ball, I thought he was actually better than I perhaps thought. There was never a point in which I looked at him against their three midfielders in Onana, Decore, and Gay. And Gay, I've not seen play like that in about five years, so I don't know where that came from. But his energy, let's say, was going to be no match for their energy. I don't think you could find him as a 25-year-old and he wasn't going to match that intensity. And I don't think he's supposed to. I think he's supposed to come in and he's supposed to, his game is supposed to negate their intensity. Yeah, I think he's been the same speed when you talk about him being 25. I think he's been the same speed since That's what he came I mean. Out so it, that was never going to make too much difference. I, I don't know no. if Party was hurt still. Um, I don't know if there was maybe more than we know, whether he hadn't trained enough or whatever, or he was maybe Arteta. I hope this wasn't the case. Thought, this isn't our day. I'll save you for next week. But it... It was just strange. We had a couple of opportunities in the first half where we could have switched the ball and we took a second longer. And we allowed Seamus Coleman to get three players around him and Martinelli. We never actually isolated Martinelli on Coleman, which is one of them where before the game, if you're looking for a bet and you see Martinelli against Coleman on flash scores, you're putting £20 on a booking. We never found that to be the case. And Ketia, I thought for the first time, really, we saw the difference between him and Jesus with the ability to drop deep and kind of build the play. Xhaka, I think, seemed like uh, 
he maybe felt the way the game was trending and there was a lot less adventure in his play. I actually thought he was hiding from the ball a bit at times. Um, I think we were just overawed, really. I think it was a bad day. They're going to happen. There's a reason only one team in the league has gone undefeated. Can't remember which one it was. Um, and so this 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 is going to be a thing. It's just making sure this doesn't carry over. I think more has been made of this because the previous game was us losing at City in the FA Cup. Yeah, probably true. And if we then lose to Brentford on Saturday, then more is going to be made of it again. But this was the first game, as you alluded to, TK, that I've actually come out of the game like, no, to be fair, I can't really complain about the loss there because the drop points at Newcastle, there was something to point out. The one against United, I'll never get over. The the penalty in this game, I still, and the, ever since she scored about five, I cannot wrap my head around how it's not a penalty. As soon as they said it was going to VAR, I was naively quite confident. How the hell is it not? When Mope is off the ball, gone through the back of Gabriel and shoved him into Gay, it makes no sense. Because was it originally being looked at for a foul on Everton that Gabriel yeah, had gone into, into him, him? But then it was via, that was via Mope obviously going through yeah. the back of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw a tweet on Saturday night and it said, one day Neil Mope is going to suffer a career-ending injury and I'm going to be here for it. And I thought, that's a bit much. <laughs> and then I thought, is it? <laughs> after your obvious, after your obvious players I hate in this league, Harry Kane, who I didn't need to see him doing a top five list of my most underappreciated goal, the best limbs. <laughs> leave, leave that away from me. I don't know why I followed him on Instagram to begin with, to be honest. Then outside of Sun, who's public enemy number one for me, Mope is a comfy third. And I quite liked the bloke until he went into Leno and then birthed uh, Emmy Martinez. But he is just the vile, vile bloke because <laughs> the... Son and Kane, I hate them and is and they're good, which makes it more annoying. The players that are bastards and they're shit makes it just <laughs> so much worse. Yeah, it's true. Because how have you got the nerve to be acting like this? And uh, the one with Zinchenko, I saw Zinchenko getting a lot of flack for. I don't really know what else he can do there when he's been dragged to the ground. But he was looking for a fight at that point anyway. So if he hadn't been dragged to the ground, then he probably would have been looking for something. But Just a horrible, horrible game. And unfortunately, we still got to play them again. I, we should be given three points for not getting to play Frank Severton. <laughs> <laughs> and while I'm on this, I don't want to go full AFTV. That grass was long on Saturday, wasn't it? <laughs> And that seems a ridiculous thing to say. The ball was not travelling. <laughs> We've got Jürgen on the pod. I think there should be... Look, the clubs chip in. There should be a universal groundsman across these teams because I don't know how you get away with that. First order Deitch has made when he's got the job, I think. He's going, right, we're watering that grass every minute of the day now. I mean... For the first one, if people say, well, both teams had to play on it, the difference was Everton didn't. They lumped it forward. Got to play the conditions, I'm afraid. Oh. It was a bad day for me, and it was a bad day for my Calvert Lewin stocks because some of the chances he missed were a disgrace. He is a disgrace. 
Um, so forgive me if I won't invest in the Che Adams stock that you keep trying to sell as well, right? <laughs> the, the Aaron Connolly <laughs> stocks, though, you're thinking about, aren't you? <laughs> Not sure where he is at the moment. He's been <laughs> didn't make it when he was loaned to uh, Venezia. That's concerning. Yeah, rough. Hopefully, we spin it back around. Even more horrible. It's a three o'clock kickoff. So, the thought of not watching that properly and Arsenal being on is is a worrying sight. I'll keep going on the Arsenal ticket exchange, but rough. Maybe this, maybe in a couple of months' time, this is the game we're all looking back on and we say this is where Arsenal lost the title. That'd be but nice. The last two seasons. That would be great. See, you've got that points deduction coming. Don't worry. Be that would be nice. Um, unfortunately, I did read that it's going to probably take about two years to go through all their appeals. Yeah, it's going to say they're going to wrap that up in a lawyers and delay that for as long as possible. Yeah. I'm overlooking United well, here as well, aren't I? What am I doing? Is they're, obviously, they're obviously in the top. Well, I, I, I did tweet earlier saying deducting points from City and United for just being in the proximity. <laughs> because never before have I seen a team claim they were hard done by when their players sent off a throttling someone. <laughs> what the hell world are we living in? Uh, yeah, I, when I saw people <laughs> were actually debating it, I was like, hang, hang on a minute, what? what? It's... People said because Will Hughes patted him on the back after that it was sound. Like, what does this even mean? Fabinho patted Evan Ferguson on the back after snapping his leg in half. Are we supposed to, you know, <laughs> there was no bad blood between them. <laughs> Just uh, ridiculous. Um, TK, Liverpool were accused of not trying Violin Shearer. Fair assessment. I don't know which version I prefer. I don't know if they if they were trying. That wasn't great. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it did look like one of the first times I could probably say I'm not sure the team's given their all there. But maybe those two early goals just knocked the wind out of their sails. It seemed like. But then in that, in that case, you've obviously you've quit too easily. In that case, not playing for the manager. Clop out. No, it won't be clop out. Trent of anyone should definitely not be clop out because I've seen some Liverpool fans as if they've discovered it for the first time that Trent maybe doesn't have the best defensive awareness. Maybe we get Nathan Jones in and we just go we go full uh, scorched earth. <laughs> My XG. <laughs> that would be if like MTV could come in and strike a deal where Klopp and Nathan Jones do just swap. A worse swap for the rest of the season and we see who gets the most points. Imagine the, the ego on Nathan Jones if it did go half half <laughs> decent for him. Oh, God. It's more nervy for him. Klopp's got really nothing to lose in that situation. <laughs> so Unless we just call him a Buzzards. checkbook manager after. Um, West Ham bowed out with Newcastle. Another draw for Newcastle. Um, I don't want to hear any of their fans talk about the Invincibles again. <laughs> when were they talking about the Invincibles? What? I mean, everyone gets on all oh, those draws. <laughs> what a, what a, ten, what a tenuous you? comparison. I don't think anyone's gone. You know what? If it, 
the too many draws is a stop to us comparing this Newcastle team to the Invincibles. Well, I think we have answered the question that where people used to say, "Well, you could draw every game." Newcastle are giving it a good go. Do wish your team. David Moyes says it will take a British transfer record to take Mister Basmati away from West Ham. You'd be willing to cough up that cash, wouldn't you? Getting ideas about his station, isn't he? I don't see how they can command that prize with a year left. Well, because they know Chelsea are in for him. (laughs) (laughs) Easy way to do that. Um, yeah, and Jack, just finally, Chelsea still don't know how to stick it in the net. Can't score goals. It's like the only time we even came close to it was when Fafana went around the keeper and then still didn't slot it away. And that was the only time I remember us really threatening the whole game. Looks so, like a Bamiang's off to yeah. LAFC. Good. Goodbye. That was that was worth the transfer. <laughs> Another another well guided transfer. <laughs> number number nine as well. The nine shirt. He did wear the nine, didn't he? So yeah, another nine comes well, and goes. To go. a lesser extent, because we know Aubameyang was essentially brought in to be managed by Tuchel. Weston McKenney says he was brought in because he wanted to continue the American tradition at Leeds, <laughs> and Jesse Marsh is sacked after he's played twenty minutes. <laughs> LAFC sounds pretty much perfect for Aubameyang. Yeah, he'd love it out there. I hope he stays there. I mean, the, the players that we've got on our books, like for a team that can't score goals, and we've got Lukaku and Aubameyang <laughs> on our books, it's just it's just hilarious. Maybe I'm crazy thinking here. If you'd spent maybe a hundred million less on a winger and a hundred million more on a striker, I almost forgot Jack Mudrick's performance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I said, I spent most of the first half talking to the guy next to me because it's so boring. So I don't actually remember a lot of his performance. <laughs> I so, will take gonna, you through it. I'm, 45 minutes I'm, played, I'm gonna... zero shots, zero fouls won, zero chances created, zero take-ons completed, zero passes in the opposition box. And Graham Potter said he's got a cold. Mm. But, see, Potter... That's the worst interviews ever. Just so beige. Would you prefer so an Ethan Jones vibe? Like, <laughs> I think we genuinely would. At least there's something. Like, Paul looks like he's been, he's just stumbled in off the concourse. He looks like a fan that's just been it's stuck. Up he's in front had to of watch media. that as well, same as you. He's, he's bored as well. <laughs> bored, yeah. He's, he, he needs his rest. <laughs> he needs a kip. I just, I mean, we need to get that man out of the club. He's <laughs> just not. He is just not the right fit. Zidane to answer those accusations and just go to Southampton. (laughs) Can't wait for Chelsea to get Simeone in and the fans be shocked at how dire the football is. Well, there we go. On that note, we'll let Jack uh, sink. Who have Chelsea got this weekend, Jack? We've got West Ham away. It's a 5.30 kickoff as well, isn't it? Come on, you Irons. We're not, we're not even challenging you this season. Surely, just a little bit of a sympathy would be nice. After what you've been saying about us, <laughs> and yeah, I had this right. actually. I was speaking to Connor, and he was laughing at Arsenal leading to Everton and said, "Well, hopefully City win this weekend now." And Tika, I realised the irony in saying, "Well, why would you want them to beat us?" Yeah. 
or said. Yeah. Uh, and, it does um, feel familiar, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember those days, he says nostalgically, wiped seeing a tear from his face. <laughs> he, he came back to me and said, uh, you've got this bizarre complex that everyone should have a soft spot for Arsenal. I'd rather City pip you to it. And I did realise, I said, well, no, because I don't really like people cheering us on too much either, because I don't like people like kind of sharing in my misery if we drop points. I went, people would say, I hope you batter United this weekend. And I thought, why have you done that? <laughs> See, we can't <laughs> win is what you're telling us. No, I'd rather everyone just tell me they're not invested in the title race. <laughs> they just don't mind like how it goes. Stop taking interest in this title, all right? The numbers drop here, Nothing but I feel a bit better because yeah. no one's on to me. There we go. Jack, we'll leave you to it. We'll get on to some uh, proper football after what I've seen this weekend. Yeah, farewell, boys. TK, Super Bowl 57. This Sunday night, the Kansas City Chiefs will face off against the Philadelphia Eagles. Can this be a bad game? Oh, famous last words. Yeah, <laughs> it can be. It can be. We've uh, we've seen a couple of dead ones, haven't we? You pray when you're staying up like you are if you're watching over here, you do just pray that it is a good game because a blowout one is crazy depressing. We've got the Chiefs returning to the Super Bowl after a one-year absence. We've got the Eagles playing in their first since beating the Pats in 2017 and what an evening that was. Um, we've got Andy Reid facing his old team. We've got the youngest combined age between starting quarterbacks in Super Bowl history. If you were to really, really simplify this, the Chiefs have always just got to feel they have a chance against good competition when they've got Mahomes at quarterback. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of freakish individual talent versus stacked good all-round teams. It's kind of, I guess, if you want to, like you said, really simplify it. I guess for the sake of a game, maybe hope Eagles get a good start and get a, get some points on the board, maybe give the Chiefs something to chase. Um, if it goes the other way, then it, it's fucking Kearns, doesn't it? You could see the Eagles uh, inexperienced probably coming out. See, Hurts probably not quite knowing what to do by contrast. The Chiefs are never going to be out of it with Mahomes, so that would probably be the way you'd want it to go. And I think we all wanted the Bengals to beat them, didn't we? I think when yeah. we were watching them. I, I don't... Because they got a few calls, I was starting to dislike the Chiefs on the on that game. But generally, I don't dislike them quite as much. No. Not, certainly not like Sean does. Uh, <laughs> and so, as much as I'll be going for the underdog again here in the Eagles, if Mahomes can do something like he did against the Bengals, which was a special moment, then you can sort of take back and say, well, you kind of you witnessed it, really, because he is doing some crazy stuff. Vegas actually has the Eagles as 1.5 point favourites on the handicap. I feel like, uh, I don't know if the bookies are Chiefs fans because they seem to want to be motivating them. Because same as, as much as I, I, you can make a real case for the Bengals beating them, I couldn't believe they were the favourites as well. I know they beat them the year before, but the whole point of that was they weren't expected to win it, right? I know they've got better... Yes, the Mahomes uh, injury as well. Yeah, yeah, but as long as he's out there, you know, well, he yeah. can do he can do something, right? And... I'm not saying he's definitely got an injury, but the fact that he was able to run for that last play as well tells me he's got something at least. He can make the run when he needs to, which is all... As long as he can threaten that, that gives him yeah. enough sort of space to be able to do the rest of his magic. 
Yeah, this has been getting boiled down to the Eagles having the best roster in the NFL. Mm. No clear weaknesses in their side against the best player in the NFL. It looks like he's going to be given the MVP for this season. Um, if the Eagles have their way, they need to make this more than a Mahomes versus Hurts matchup, don't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the concern to me, I did think for all the Niners' problems against the Eagles, I thought the Eagles still offensively weren't really flowing. And I just wonder if you have, if you start like that against the Chiefs, you have a couple of punts and you kind of, you don't get a score on the board. At what point does you start, does it start getting, your, getting in your head and you get rattled? Um, I don't think Hurts looks as good as he did before the injury. I actually thought, I think I've said in the group chat a few times, it's kind of been slept on how good he is. I think it's kind of it's being treated like he's an average player who's having a good season, whereas I think he's a, a very good player who's playing very well. Of course, not Mahomes sort of level, not going to be Joe Burrow, Burrow, Josh Allen probably, but the next tier below probably. And it's kind of being treated like he's just run-of-the-mill sort of guy. So if he can have a game like he did before that um, shoulder injury that he had, then great. But I, I do wonder if that's still playing on his mind. Well, Philadelphia has faced several quarterbacks with limited big game experience this postseason. They faced New York's Daniel Jones, Brock Purdy with San Francisco. Should we be keeping that in mind ahead of a tussle with Mahomes, who has seen it all? It's a good point, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and you know there there has to be a huge asterisk on that on that Niners win, doesn't there? Because that it just descended into chaos where they were trying to find anyone <laughs> who could play quarterback for them. Um, whereas the Chiefs face a legit test in, in the Bengals, at least. Um, obviously, that they will take comfort in the fact that the Eagles are able to get to the quarterback, and if they're able to get to Mahomes early, then let's, let's not uh, sugarcoat it. Try and nail him early, even if you're not necessarily yeah. you're not necessarily injuring him you've got to shake him up a bit you've got to scare him uh, and make him think twice is the only way in which they're going to be able to to get it going they're going to have to make it a physical game on offense and defense and so you are rocking with the Chiefs going into this one I, I find it hard to go against them having seen what we did against the Bengals I think that's the sort of performance that tells you this team's not going to be stopped I think Mahomes will do something similar and I think yeah I think the Eagles offensively might break down a little bit in terms of it all starts to look a bit clunky. And if they can't get the points on the board early, I think they'll fall apart a little bit. So I'll go with the Chiefs. I'm rocking with the Eagles. Nice, nice. They're sharing the best record in the NFL with the Chiefs, obviously. Did you see the comparison of their stats this season? Yeah, yeah. Their joint 16-3 record, both scored 546 points, both have six All-Pros including a Kelsey brother and their QB and the number one seed in their respective conference. It was like freakishly similar. It was. I do think the Eagles as a team have been strangely slept on until they beat the Niners and then it was, oh yeah, that should, they might be actually the best NFC team. It's kind of been like they were the number one team. I don't know if, if we just defaulted them there or something. I think they are. They are legit. It's just... Well, it's been it's kind of been a different story for each of their journeys through the playoffs. Like the Eagles have just utterly dominated thirty-eight seven in the divisional round, thirty-one seven then in the NFC Championship game. Yeah. Two hundred and seventy-five combined passing yards for Hertz in those victories, ran for a touchdown in each contest. They also have 
the NFL best 32 rushing touchdowns. They've recorded a record in a single season total in terms of rushing touchdowns. They're clearly doing it all. The pass rush is great. Everything about them is great. I can actually see a blowout. Blind me. How much how much are we saying as a blowout? Oh. I think they win by over 15 points. Okay, that is that's getting towards that. Yeah, blow me. Ugh. Yeah, I, I, even if the Chiefs go down, I don't see them going down. Like, but look, I guess you would point to I'm always very pessimistic that we're going to get a good Super you'd Bowl. Also, so yeah, I guess you'd point to like the, um, the Tampa Bay Super Bowl with them as well. And again, Mahomes was carrying an injury. The offensive line was terrible then. That was banged up. So that was, I think, a bit of a difference. But yeah, yeah, you could be right. And then before that, on Saturday night, we've got uh, Volkanovski against uh, Islam Makachev, champ this champ. Are you backing Volk to get it done? No, unfortunately not. I would love him to get it done. How do you think it looks? Do you think Makachev makes it boring or do you think he subs him under? Yeah, I do. And there's no one in the UFC that I would pick to form a get-a-game plan and to actually uh, initiate a better game plan and have it play out that way. But ultimately, I think the size is just going to be too much. Yeah. Because I think skill for skill, I think Volkanovski is close to another level in terms of the variety he offers. Yeah, and he's always gone to another level, hasn't he? Each time we've seen him, he's gone to, he thought he can't get better, and then he, he does. Um, I think whilst it's going on, I think you're going to have the first couple of rounds where you're going to think, Volk's going to do this. I think he's going to look money. Um, but yeah, I do think eventually Makachev will probably figure it out in terms of just getting to the floor and make it a, a boring one. Um, at some point, probably does get sub, doesn't he? Well, I saw the stats of people saying, well, you know, Volkanovski has taken uh, more shots in, more head strikes in one fight than Makachev has in his entire career. It's one Volk's had what? Six title fights with three being against Max Holloway. Yeah, yeah. Makachev's also been knocked out, which does negate you taking more strikes after that point. Um, yeah, we need to stop that. But the rest of the card is kind of split. Like the main card is is very fun, and then everything below it is a bit. <laughs> Yair against Josh Emmett is fun. Should be guaranteed fun. That Jacques Della Madalena. My one to watch on Protect Your Neck this year up against Randy Brown, who's going to give us a fun fight. Nice. They've they've stuck us with some heavyweights. So, I mean, that could go either way. If it goes past 30 seconds, it's probably going to be rough. <laughs> and then Jimmy Crute, Alonzo Menefield, that's perfect amount of fun, perfect amounts of fun as well. So after what was a horrible weekend of sport this weekend... Hopefully it was all kind of a sacrifice and next weekend's going to deliver. We go again. Because after Arsenal had lost, I was looking at the schedule and thought, what the hell else is there? I wasn't planning to watch the UFC. And when I was up at two and I thought, okay, it's too late to sleep and get back up. I'll just see how long I last. And then, I mean, watched it all bar the main event, which I drifted off for typically. But the great news is if the weekend doesn't deliver, we've got the Merseyside Derby on Monday night to really save it. So that, that'll be a thriller. We know that, obviously. Monday night, is it? Yeah. Right. So we know the way those two teams are playing. 
Who the hell scheduled that for a Monday night? Yeah, psychopaths. Jesus. All right, well, I think that just about, about <laughs> does us for today. So thank you again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. Two editions of Movie Madness this week to make up for last week. So we will have Spotlight versus Zodiac dropping Wednesday. I referenced last week. Natural Born Killers needs to be as far away from me as it can possibly be. So don't expect to hear that on a future podcast. And then Friday, we will have Primal Fear versus Angels and Demons dropping. So doubling up this week. See you there. Adios.